0: We speak around 10,000 words a day. Uh, Some people certainly speak more than that, I'm sure. And we use our words, don't we, to communicate with others and to express ourselves. And experts reckon the average vocabulary of an adult English speaker is around 20,000 different words, which is crazy, isn't it? To think that you know 20,000 different words. And we use these different words, don't we? for lots of different reasons, Uh, to greet, to joke, to tell stories, to console others, to dismiss, uh, to help, to comfort, to inspire, uh, to humble someone, to encourage them, to explain, to question, to teach. There are so many different reasons why we might use our words, all sorts of different reasons. And our words are powerful, aren't they? and they are something that we are responsible for. Jesus said, didn't he? I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they have spoken. And other than wisdom itself, how we use our words is probably the most prevalent topic in the book of Proverbs. You see, how we speak is not a minor issue. It's a vital matter. Think of some of those descriptions of the tongue that we read in James chapter 3. He describes the tongue using these words. Restless evil, fire, hell, poison, a world of unrighteousness. These are not words used lightly. It shows us that God cares deeply about the way we speak the way we use our words not only have an impact on other people but ourselves too the american pastor tim keller said words clothe our thoughts words clothe our thoughts i think he's right you see uh, if you're uh, for example you've got two uh, entirely different uh, prospects in front of you when when someone um, when you think someone thinks something but When they say something it sort of confirms it doesn't it and maybe all along you knew this to be true but it's when they say that thing it becomes uh, a confirmation of that isn't it it's something hidden has become revealed by the clothing of our thoughts through our words we also see it when we have doubts and when we have struggles speaking to others really helps doesn't it when we when we're going through difficult times when we are are struggling with depression and when we're struggling with with anxiety about something when we tell someone that when we when we speak that problem out loud it doesn't immediately solve the problem but but just clothing those thoughts with words is helpful isn't it that's why it's helpful to talk to people um now that's not where my sermon ends it's not just about Um, speaking to others, because we need Jesus in all of this and we need to see him in the book of Proverbs. And like I said before, if I read every single proverb that mentioned how we speak, then we would be here until tomorrow. But what I would like to spend this morning doing is looking at these select few Proverbs that I read and seeing how when we use words in a Christ-like way, it will bring life to others but also that there is a strong warning from Scripture that when we use our words foolishly, it will bring misery and it will bring death. And we will finish by looking at Christ himself, who the Bible refers to as the Word. So let's look at how we use our words wisely, first of all. How can we use our words for the, for the glory of God? How can we uh, point people to Jesus by the way we speak? Well, let's start by reminding ourselves that that wise words are rare. They're also precious. Let me read a proverb to you. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. How can words be precious? Well, five minutes of encouraging conversation with a, a wiser, Christian uh, can be far more profitable, can't it, than, than hours and hours and hours spent um, shallowly uh, chattering with someone uh, who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. Uh, yes, we can we can gain um, some um, help from, from people who don't know the Lord Jesus, um, but we will only get advice and wisdom um, from uh, those Who know the Lord Jesus themselves in the experiences that they have faced? The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, it says. I'm sure there's someone that you know that you can turn to when you are in need of advice, when you've been through a really tough week, when you have exhausted all your options and you hold on to every word that they say. And when someone uses their words with not just today in mind, but eternity in mind, we can see that it does much good. It's more valuable than fine silver. Or sometimes Christians, now I, love, I love the different metaphors that you get in scripture and uh, especially when you add some of your own modern uh, kind of scene to it. Sometimes a Christian is like a bomb disposal expert. Um, if you've seen the film, Hurt Locker, you'll know um, how uh, kind of nerve shattering and uh, worrying it, a job it is to to be a bomb disposal expert. I can't imagine um, many more brave people than that, maybe a primary school teacher. Um, but uh, a soldier whose sole job is to find explosive devices and then to go uh, within the immediate vicinity and to defuse it. And a Christian can find themselves in similar situations. Uh, situations which are tense and likely to explode any second. But much like the bomb disposal team, we, we can't rush in in, uh, in a careless way. We need to be gentle and thoughtful with the words that we use. Now, the proverb that I want to look at says this a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, imagine someone is in a rage I'm late. Why didn't you wake me earlier? Couples looking at each other sheepishly. <laughs> and that can be quietened down, can't it? With, sorry, I thought you would appreciate some extra rest. I'll give you a lift and you'll be there on time. Don't worry. Or maybe in work and someone says, absolutely brilliant. You've done it again. I don't know how you're still in this job. And it can easily be diffused by this saying, I'm sorry, if you've got the time this afternoon, can you show me where I'm going wrong? And I I probably won't make that mistake again. You can see, can't you, just in those two situations, they've been immediately made more calm from the softer answer. It's far easier, isn't it, to give in to temptation and to escalate and to fight back. You think I'm bad at this job? And you can see how that can easily happen, can't you? I'm sorry if that's very loud for you, uh, wearing hearing aids but we can take comfort can't we that god knows who is in the right and who is in the wrong we don't need to make our point known we just need to um to show others patience and care and love and god knows exactly who is in the right and who didn't tell the other person that they needed to wake up at a certain time and we certainly draw people to us don't we to christ when we show grace and kindness in those situations when we face anger from them and we respond with With a word of of gentleness. Christians' words will also be full of truth. It says, he who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. So challenges now, are our words ones of honesty and integrity? Do we bend the truth in order to make ourselves look better or others worse than they actually are? Are we people who are dependable or reliable? In a world which tells us that there is no such thing as, as truth and that we all have our own truths and stories to tell, we can stand apart, can we? Can't we? Um, by our commitment to speaking what is true. And if we lose friends and if we lose influence and we might lose our jobs, we will still bring delight to God because God is a God of truth, isn't He? And Christians can use their words to uh, instruct others. Uh, one proverb says this the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly a challenge for us as believers is not only to to store up the knowledge that we have Uh, many christians are like a a reservoir they've got years of experience of attending churches they listen to all the the best christian podcasts they've got, got all the best christian books on their shelves and yet, they've just accumulated it for themselves. It never goes anywhere. They never share it with anyone. So they've missed the point. We are called as Christians to be more like, to be more like channels or, or canals or something like that. To allow God's word to flow through us and to share it with others. We're called to be a help and to be kind to others. To encourage them to freely share the gospel with those who don't know it. God wants channels of people, not reservoirs the books that we read, the, the sermons that we've learned, the experiences that we've endured, they can all be shared with others. That's why uh, the, the ladies' meeting and the men's meetings are so helpful, aren't they? The smaller settings for us to be honest with each other, for wise tongues to give life to others, which leads us to this, this verse. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. We need words to live don't we We as human beings are made in order to communicate and we get very frustrated when we cannot tell others how we feel again i feel so sorry for my poor son but i'm going to use him again for an illustration um he doesn't he is not able to use many words at the moment but he has lots to say and that's very frustrating for him and uh, there was a time a few months ago when He was desperately trying to say something, and uh, he was really getting animated, but he was going through his repertoire of of words and sounds, trying to say this thing, but you can't really understand when all you're saying is, mama, dada, which is his sound for fish. Um, There was something desperately that he was trying to communicate, but you can't go through conversations in life as much facial expression as you can by saying mama, dada. Believe me, I've tried to understand. You can't. We need words, don't we, to communicate. We need words to tell others how we feel. And there's a reason why one of the most brutal forms of punishment going is solitary confinement. If you lock someone up and we don't give them an opportunity to see other human beings, they will inevitably go crazy. There will be serious damage. We need people to listen to us and and understand us. So by using our words to encourage, to challenge, to comfort and to ask questions and to tell others the gospel, all these things can be a way of living out this proverb. Our tongues can be trees of life. We can bring peace and life to those around us. A Christian's word is also a way of sustaining others. The lips of the righteous, one proverb says, feeds many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Part of our duty as Christians is is to nourish others with our words. So we we build others up. We encourage people. We we tell brothers and sisters to keep going in the Lord. We tell them that was really helpful what you did yesterday. Thank you for that. And to tell them to keep going. Sometimes you assume that someone else has said that. And yet we're supposed to, to point them towards Jesus through our words. Do we use our words to, to feed others or do we only use it to, to serve ourselves? We also learn in the Proverbs, however, that there is, there is a time to be quiet as well. As, as, as important as it is to, to nourish others and to tell others good things with our words, there's also a time to be quiet. Having lots of helpful things to say is only truly helpful if you know when to say them. For example, um, it's very good to memorize scripture. That is something that I will say. It's very good to remember parts of the Bible. But there's also very wise when a, a dear friend tells you that they have um, heard some awful news that maybe a, a loved one has died and they, or they've been given a, a serious diagnosis by the doctor, you don't pat them on the back saying, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It's great to know that verse, but there's also a wisdom in knowing when to share that verse. It's often said, isn't it, when Job in the Old Testament goes through the difficulty of losing his home and his, and his, um, and his poor family, he loses everything. His friends were at their best when they didn't say anything at all. I think it was a wise uh, philosopher, Ronan Keating, who said, you say it best when you said nothing at all. And uh, it's true for for Job's friends, isn't it? The tr- the trouble started for Job's friends when they started speaking. Uh, I think it was Eliphaz that says, uh, "Who uh, think now? Who that was innocent ever perished, or were the upright ever cut off? As I've th- uh, as I've seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same." They were saying, "You're at fault here, Job. This is." This, this, there can't be any, uh, There must be a reason why you're going through this. There's no smoke without fire. Uh, they would have been far better off being silent and, and waiting things out and comforting him in other ways. And there's two proverbs that confirm this to be true. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Those are good words to remember, aren't they? Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So it's, it's not only knowing what to say, is it? It's knowing when to say it. But the book of Proverbs also tells us the danger of using our words foolishly. Now to possess a gun in the UK, Kieran or Joel will, will set me straight on this if I'm wrong. You need to hold a firearms license, I believe. And uh, individuals must be assessed by their local police force and judged not to pose a threat to public safety. And they have to have a good reason to own a firearm. Those are all uh, good things to have in place, aren't they? But we also carry deadly weapons with us with no such license. Uh, The tongue is something that can destroy in a matter of seconds. Reputations can be ruined. Jobs can be lost, self-esteem shattered, friendships destroyed, families split in two, wars can be declared all through what we say with our lips. And Proverbs 10 tells us this, violence covers the mouth of the wicked. When we speak in order to bring others down, when we want to destroy someone's reputation, to make ourselves feel more important, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. The, the power of words can pierce and wound. I, I said in the children's talk that there, was, there was the, the old phrase sticks and stones it is it's, it's nonsense, isn't it? Just because words are not physical things doesn't mean they are not permanent. Your tongue has the power over life and death. What we say can cause fear and sadness and psychological damage if you call a child stupid or useless enough times they will start to believe it you tell someone that they're wrong time and time again they will eventually give up trying to share their opinion if you call someone worthless or ugly it can fill them with with such a sorrow that it can lead them to to take their own lives the tongue One proverb says, has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words are important. And as we saw with the importance of telling the truth, we see the opposite is true for the unbeliever. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Lies cause tension, don't they? It ruins friendships, it brings about uh, suspicion. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. There are loads of examples in the Bible uh, of people who lie and the severe judgment of God upon them. In the book of Joshua, you see uh, when God's people uh, plunder the Canaanites and a man called Achan um, finds this gold and he hides it away from the people and he keeps it for himself and he's put to death for this serious uh, lie that he has told or think of elisha's servant um gehazi who um who is there when when uh, when elisha uh, heals naaman and naaman is a very rich man and he says would you like these gifts would you like this silver and these these new clothes and elisha says no um, and Gehazi goes back, doesn't he? And he says, "Elisha's changed his mind. Can we actually have those things? And Naaman gives it to them. And uh, what does the Lord do? Well, he strikes Gehazi down with leprosy, the very thing that God had cured Naaman of. Or well, think of the New Testament, where you've got Judas Iscariot who lives this, this double life. He's outwardly this, this loyal disciple who preaches, who heals people who does many things that people uh, think of him as, as a good person. And yet, in reality, he's a greedy traitor who, who wants rid of Jesus. And when he does, he hangs himself in guilt. Or in the book of Acts, where Ananias and Sapphira, a couple uh, who had said that they'd given all of their money to the poor, and yet they knew that they had kept some them for themselves. That wasn't the issue. It wasn't the fact that they kept some for themselves. The Bible doesn't say we have to give every single penny away. It's the fact that they lied. And what does the account tell us happened? They are struck dead. So the Bible is clear, isn't it? Lies are of the devil. When we lie, we are like the devil himself. Jesus said these words to the Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and a father of lies whereas what does jesus call himself i am the truth there's no darkness in him you can trust every word he says so may our words be accurate and honest and not deceptive and manipulative and and self-serving and we also have to consider the fact that we often speak about things that we don't know about Uh, the proverb says a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding how often do we speak about things that we don't really know what we're talking about this goes for arguments when we're just repeating things that we've heard other people say rather than thinking for ourselves or or political debates where we're we're not listening to what the person is saying, and we're just uh, wanting to share what we want to say, or or telling people about situations or stories that we don't know all the details about, and fabricating things in order to to get a reaction. And the the Proverbs also tell us about how we ought to listen more than we speak. One of the key ways in which we can use our words for good is by is actually listening to what other people say. If one gives an answer before he hears, the proverb says, it is his folly and shame. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is, folly and sh- it is his folly and shame. How often do we know what we're going to say before the next person has, has spoken? We can be guilty of, of having our answer prepared before we have, we've even heard what they have to say for themselves. We speak before knowing when to stay quiet. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And that's one of the funniest proverbs in the whole scriptures. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. There's the danger of speaking too much. Have you ever introduced a friend to someone? And uh, when that friend has finally left, the person says, they talk a lot, don't they? That's never a compliment, is it? It's never a compliment when someone says, they, they, they speak a lot, don't they? Statistically speaking, if we, if we say nothing, then we're not going to say anything foolish. And likewise, if we speak a lot, chances are we're going to say something stupid. Therefore, the Proverbs say, we'd be content to speak um, very cautiously and not to speak at times. And it's harder for some than it is for others, isn't it? The mouth of a fool pours forth foolishness. There's this idea of a of a waterfall. So let's pray for discipline in keeping our mouths shut, to show discernment in speaking. Is this the right time to say this? Some of us have people that will kick us under the table when we are about to open our mouths not saying if I do, but I often say, why are you kicking me under the table for, when it does happen? Um, And our prayer should be that the Holy Spirit would be working in us and kicking us under the table, giving us the self-control to stop ourselves from saying some of the things that we shouldn't, or saying it at the wrong time, or even saying it in the wrong spirit. You see, when it comes to our words, it's ultimately, about our hearts isn't it the mouth doesn't act on its own it speaks what's on a person's mind and what's on their hearts our words are in keeping with our beliefs and our loves as we said before words clothes our our thoughts and when jesus spoke to the pharisees he said didn't he you brood of vipers how can you say uh, how can you who are evil say something good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words are a part of us. They represent us. We uh, cannot suggest that we we think or believe one thing when we say something completely different. We are our words. Therefore, to use our words in a Christ-like and a Christ-honoring way is not purely a matter of self-control. It's the same as when we looked at humility a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We saw that it it wasn't enough just to want to be humble, to be resolved, to be more humble. We need the Spirit to change our hearts. It's exactly the same with our words. It's not about doing better or trying harder. It's not about human efforts. We need to be transformed from the inside out. Listen to these words from Proverbs 16. He who heeds the words wisely will find goods, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. You see, the heart needs to be made new in order for the mouth to speak life. The heart teaches the mouth, the proverb says, it instructs the lips. It was God Himself who came into the world to transform His people into people that would not only live for Him, but would speak for Him. And He came into the world in the form of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, who the Gospel of John describes as the word and we've spoken about how our words embody us don't they and this is displayed most clearly when we look at the lord jesus who is god's word everything god said every promise he had made every word of comfort he had spoken to his people was fulfilled in jesus he was the biggest statement that 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 god could give He is the embodiment of every proverb that we have read. Every proverb which instructs us how to use our words for life, we see come true in perfect form in the Lord Jesus. He was the perfect exemplification of the proverbs. And if you spend time looking at the proverbs, you will see this. You will see the power of his words. Jesus was the one who Peter said, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus confirmed this to be true, didn't he? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. So there's, there is life in his words, and his words are able to restore physically as well as spiritually. We read in one of the Gospels, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed those who were sick. With just a word, he is able to to open the eyes of the blind and to allow the paralyzed to walk and allow the the demons to be exercised. And his words are not temporary or easily forgotten. We've, We've read some of them this morning. And Jesus said this himself, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And despite the the seriousness and the weight of the words he spoke, people were amazed at the gentleness with which he spoke. It says, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that he spoke. And yet, despite this graciousness, it did not detract from his power. We're told they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And his words were controversial as well. People weren't always in agreement with him. We are told there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. And these words still divide today. As I speak this morning, many of you will have believed in Jesus as the ones whose words give life. And yet there will be others in attendance this morning who will be unable to hear that call because you've shut your ears and your hearts to him. And at the cross, we have an amazing display of Christ's love. There are two particular things as we finish, I want to fix our eyes upon. First of all, a gentle word that turned away wrath. As Jesus hung in excruciating pain and he was mocked by a crowd, they were filled with a murderous rage they wanted this arrogant and, and foolish blasphemer to suffer and die. And yet he was able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A gentle word which turns away wrath. And we speak of how words are, are life giving and how a solitary confinement or the silent treatment um, from someone that we love can, can break our hearts someone to not listen to our words is is so difficult isn't it and at the cross we see that to make a way for us to be saved the lord jesus suffered the silent treatment from his father he was forsaken he cried out as something happened which hurt more than anything physical whereas at his baptism and at his at his, uh, his transfiguration on the mountainside the Father had, had spoken from the heavens had said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. At Calvary, darkness covered the land and the Father was silent. And the Lord Jesus experienced the loneliness, the shame and the fury of hell so that we as believers may never know that same agony. And if you've never cried out for forgiveness at the foot of the cross, My hope is that this morning that you will, that you would see that Jesus was willing to forgive us for every time that we've used our words to inflict pain and misery on other people. Every lie, every piece of gossip, every time we have slandered someone, every time we've boasted, every insult, every piece of prejudice, he was was innocent and yet he was willing to be guilty on our behalf. Jesus has taken the punishment for our evil words. And so as believers, we are born again into a new life where even our words are used in order to give him glory. So may our tongues be trees of life to other people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that we are so often full of lies and godless chatter and gossip and slander and insults and sarcasm, all these things that don't give you glory, but make ourselves feel better. And Lord, we, we confess these things and we thank you for your forgiveness in these things we thank you that all these things if we confess them to you that you are willing to forgive lord would you help us would you change us would you transform us we thank you for the way in which the lord jesus was able to give a gentle word in the face of wrath and the fact that he suffered the silent treatment from the father so that we might never have to We thank you for these wonderful truths. And we pray that you would bless us. In Jesus name we pray, amen.